0: There's an element of making sure now that your business is resilient and that comes down to making sure that you have an engaged workforce and you have the correctly sized and skilled workforce as well. And that's why I think the last 18 months again, there's more focus on employee experience from that resilience angle and that's something that's coming up a lot is how can I make sure that my business is truly adaptable, is truly resilient for whatever is thrown at me next.
1: Hi, I'm David Green, and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast, where I'm speaking with Nerys Mutlow, Evangelist in the Chief Innovation Office at ServiceNow. You just heard Nerys there speaking about the relationship between organisational resilience and employee experience. One question that we focus on throughout the conversation is how organisations will be expected to support employees in 2022 and beyond. In Nerys' words...
0: Make sure the employee is well looked after and that their physical and their mental wellbeing is looked after. Make sure that we keep that driving up that level of engagement so that those people are engaged and feel part of our business and I talk a lot around it's so important to harness the power of everybody in your business to drive the innovations that you need. The only way you can do that is with engaging people and we need to make sure people are as productive as possible wherever they may be in whatever environment they may be in as well.
1: Throughout this episode Nerys and I discuss the gap between customer experience and employee experience. A there is his perspective on how employee experience is evolving. We look at how to design an excellent employee experience by thinking beyond personas to individual level wants and needs. We also look at the relationship between employee well-being and productivity and striking the right balance in particular for hybrid work. And finally, we look at the importance of employee listening and experimentation in the hybrid work environment. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Neris Mutlow, Evangelist in the Chief Innovation Office at ServiceNow to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Welcome to the show, Neris. It's great to have you on. Um, can you provide listeners with a, a brief introduction to yourself and your role at ServiceNow and that wonderful title of Evangelist?
0: Yeah, sure. And thank you, David. Um, I'm really super pleased to be here today. So, yeah, my role as an evangelist is basically to go out and talk to a lot of different customers, And I suppose share really uh, our purpose and what our messaging um, around ServiceNow is. So we talk a lot about making the world of work work better for people. And this is very much around enabling people to be their best, removing the friction in just getting work done. And the reason I have to go and talk about it a lot, really, is because most people know us from the IT service management space. And clearly, that's where we kind of started off and that's why we have a big, big footprint. But over the years, we've really broadened out because you know, IT tools are just one element of the employee experience. And now we spend a lot of the time, and I spend probably the majority of my time now, speaking with CHROs and chief customer officers, actually, about how they can leverage the ServiceNow platform and the ecosystem um, in which they already have invested in, which is another important uh, part of our proposition really we live in a very much an eco system world and no customer invests in just one tool so how can you bring that all together to deliver those great employee experiences
1: and, and great with your experience and obviously what ServiceNow does i mean there's a lot of parallels often drawn between employee experience and customer experience and, and and certainly you know a lot of the the companies we work with are learning what their marketing teams are doing around customer experience and bringing some of that learning into into their efforts around employee experience yeah the latter is often viewed as an end goal state though for employee experience but you know i'd be interested in your views how far behind customer experience would you say employee experience is today in most organizations
0: Yeah, so I personally think there is uh, a little bit of a gap between customer experience and employee experience, but I think it's also worth noting really that the last sort of 18 months, 20 months, um, there's been a massive acceleration uh, around employee experience. So I think we saw some quite, uh, you know, more future thinking organisations perhaps that were really understanding, look, I need to invest in employee experience because Good employees drive great productivity, and we've seen that with a number of different stats around. You know, great customer experience is because of having, uh, you know, engaged and productive employees. But I think what the last sort of eighteen months showed us is that employees kept the business running. Uh, they powered those day-to-day operations. They went and worked on the on the front line. So we had an initial kind of. Uh, need, if you like, to keep them safe and to keep them working. And when it became obvious it wasn't going to be a sort of three-month thing, this was going to be much more longer term, we've seen organisations really recognise that my employees are so critical to my organisation that I need to make sure that I start to prioritise this. And I think HR leaders as well were really shone in the spotlight, actually, over the last 18 months. And it's a really good opportunity now to kind of capitalise on the desire to lead with employee experience. Um, I think in terms of customer experience, and the reason why I say there's, we're slightly behind, I think, around employee experience and customer experience, is when you look at the 360-degree the, the view. So everybody has wanted that customer 360-degree uh, view for quite some time, and we've been working on it now for you know decades, really. But we haven't been doing that within employee experience. So I think, in terms of creating that more holistic view, um, we are slightly behind when it comes to when it comes to employee experience.
1: It's interesting. I mean, a couple of things. I'd love to talk a bit further about. Number one, um, if you think about the number of interactions a customer has with you as an organisation, any customer, even your frequent customers. Compared to the number of interactions your employees have with you, working eight, nine hours, maybe sometimes more a day, you know the, the the opportunity to get the employee experience right, as you said, is 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 perhaps an even bigger impact for 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 a company. And then when you look at yeah. things like the, I don't know if you see the Adelman Trust Barometer. I saw something on that earlier this year. I think it came out in May, June. That um, now now um, employees are now regarded as the most important. Um, Factor uh, on an organization's success even more now on shareholders and customers. So, it's certainly, some of the stuff that you talked about is, is, it, uh, uh, yes, it's been accelerated by the pandemic, undoubtedly. But it was all we were already moving to this sort of area as well. I'd love to hear your your take on on those two areas.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think, um, yeah, I, I agree in terms of that kind of high frequency of those employee contacts. Absolutely, like you say. The best customer interaction in the world you're not going to have as many touch points as you do with an employee so there's a much greater opportunity to kind of get more real-time uh data points around how that employee is feeling how well they're performing um what's kind of what are the blockers if you like what's the risk as well from a from a, a, a nutrition perspective and Again, these are concepts that we've been looking at from a customer point of view. We've been looking at, you know, what's the opportunity with a customer? How can I get more value from them? Is there a risk of them leaving and going somewhere else? Um, But with the employee, we can take all of those little data points and very quickly, if we can build out that 360 degree view, then what we can do is we can take action very, very early. And it always amazes me when you hear a manager say, oh, it's a total surprise to me that this person resigned. Because if you actually step back and probably looked at that, there was a lot of warning signs there, perhaps in terms of how engaged they were. Had their productivity suddenly kind of slipped away? Were they being, you know, very interactive in terms of uh, meetings? What were some of the pulse surveys and the employee survey saying? And I think the challenge has always been bringing that together into a single view and then driving action very quickly off the back of that. And I think if you don't do that as well um, and you don't drive those actions quickly, you lose trust. And that's a big, big issue within the workforce, because if people see that you're not following through on those actions and they have a bad employee experience, then it's actually a lot quicker to spread that sort of negativity, if you like, through the workforce than it is through the customer base. So one unhappy employee can really end up driving a lot more kind of broader unhappiness or the perception of, you know, a poor experience.
1: Yeah, it's interesting what you say about those kind of predictors of attrition, because obviously, you know, that's something a lot of the companies that we work with and people analytics are, you know, being asked to do quite a lot. Um, One previous organization I worked for, one of the predictors of of people leaving was actually people's interaction with the the collaboration platform would drop off, you know, for a few months beforehand. So uh, very interesting. Um, What I'd be interested in, you know, again, ServiceNow's experience of of solutions on the customer experience and the employee experience side. What are some of the main ways that customer and employee experience differ? uh, And why do organizations need to, to bear those in mind?
0: As I said I think from a customer and an employee perspective there are a lot of similarities you know whether we're a customer or an employee we both want that kind of the personalization and the contextual experience and I think what's quite interesting and when I talk to a lot of our customers they talk about their customer being the internal customer right so if you're a i t uh, um, manager or you're the head of shared services, for instance, your customer is that internal employee, and so trying to drive that same high quality experience as you get in the customer world in the employee world um is something that's a really really common theme so I think the the, the sort of the sort of um some of the similarities are also around things like that omni channel experience so again. When we're talking about making the world of work work better for people, we think about what does a great consumer-grade experience look like? Well, it's all about using the tool that you like to use. It's about being able to have that personalised information, that contextual information to enable you to do whatever you need to do in the most efficient way possible. And that's what we're seeing a lot now, is make sure we can meet that employee in the tool of their choice in the way that they like to consume information. So I'll give you an example. Um, If you're providing services out to your employees, you've got to think about, are they sat there in front of a laptop, or are they a frontline worker in a retail store, for instance? If they're the latter then actually they still need to have that great experience, but they need to consume it probably on a mobile device as opposed to on a a laptop. So, and again, like as a consumer, sometimes we're on the move and we want to do that journey. We want to have that interaction on a mobile versus a laptop. So I think it's about making sure, again, that we can meet people, as I said, in the channel of their their choice.
1: In terms of, you know, uh, it's maybe one of the differences that, with customer experience, it's maybe easier to, t- to tie it to a monetary value than it is on the, on the employee experience side. And is that maybe one of the reasons why companies have gone down the customer experience first? Because it's it's just harder to, to kind of show that return on investment.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Customer experience is around driving uh, revenue, ultimately. So that's why there's always been very much that focus um, on that. Whereas the employee experience, as we know... That uh, if you've got engaged employees, they serve the customer better, serving the customer better will result in you know having a more loyal customer base and actually giving them the customer what they need, which is likely to increase your revenue as well. But I think there's an element of making sure now that your business is resilient. And that comes down to making sure that you have an engaged workforce and you have the correctly sized and skilled workforce as well. And that's why I think the last 18 months, again, there's more focus on employee experience from that resilience angle. And that's something that's coming up a lot, is how can I make sure that my business is truly adaptable, is truly resilient for whatever is thrown at me next. And employees are clearly a a key part of that as well.
1: And I suppose if we think about the last, 18 to 20 months we're also thinking a lot of the focus on employee experience has actually been around employee well-being um you know resilience obviously is a, is an element of that but well-being which again is probably a difference from how we look at customers yes customer well-being you know can we provide you know, give people deliveries to their house because they can't leave their mm-hmm. house of course that's the, an element of well-being i guess but particularly around employees around around well-being
0: yeah yeah and um as i said earlier i think to begin with that was absolutely the focus. How do we keep people safe and secure? Um, and then when it transpired, it was going to be for a lot longer. It's how can we make sure that actually, from a wellbeing perspective, they're not burnt out. We've seen a lot of people talk about being burnt out they those Zoom meetings back to back. Um, so, yes, absolutely, I, I think there's that focus on wellbeing as one kind of pillar, if you like. But then it was like, okay, Well, how do we make sure that we keep them engaged as well? Um, If they're not coming into the office, how do I still make sure that they're connected to the business? How do I make sure that they're still collaborating on those collaboration platforms and they're not losing that sense of belonging, which means there's a potential risk around them leaving? And then how do I make them as productive as possible? So how do I give them the tools that they need in order to get their work done? So it removes the kind of stress that we have sometimes in doing some of the most simple tasks. I think everybody can relate to something like having to, I don't know, raise a purchase order and it being way more complex than it should be and not knowing who to go and talk to or where to go or how to do that. So for us, it has to be those kind of three different pillars. Make sure the employee is well looked after and that their physical and their mental well-being is looked after. Make sure that we keep that driving up that level of engagement so that those people are engaged and feel part of our business. And I talk a lot around it's so important to harness the power of everybody in your business to drive the innovations that you need. The only way you can do that is with engaging people. And we need to make sure people are as productive as possible, wherever they may be in whatever environment they may be in as
1: well. So you talked about, you know, one of the uh, one of the sort of components of designing employee experience is meeting people, you know, employees where they are, i.e., people yeah. that are customer facing or something versus maybe people who are currently working uh, from home or working hybrid. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to understand a couple of things, you know, number one, you know, personas you know how you know what are some of the considerations that that, the companies might make around developing personas and then maybe if you could walk us through a few examples of employee journeys and and how they might differ uh depending on some of those on the individual and some of those um, personas and circumstances as well i think that'd be really good
0: yeah so i think uh personas absolutely have a place in designing the employee experience but i would also say that we need to go a level down from that as, as well. Okay. Um, because just to say somebody has the persona of a retail shop floor worker, for instance, um, it's not really addressing them as an individual. And I think that that's, for me is the next level of employee experience. It's really recognising the individual conditions for people to be successful in. And that really flows nicely into the whole um, importance of diversity and inclusion in your business people like to consume information in different ways people like to work in different ways some people are very visual some people uh, respond better to kind of written type communication for instance some people want to work different hours in in different ways so i think we need to be using personas initially to kind of create that first level of categorization but i think if we're going to truly design great employee experiences we need to be building basically a digital twin of every employee and within that that digital twin says to us how the employee likes to work what's the performance conditions uh, for this individual where how do they perform best what tools do they like to use how do they like to consume information what devices do they like to use in order to connect with us and then make sure that we can design experiences that can cater for all of that, those different kind of variables, if you like, which you might think is quite a big, big challenge. But I would say, actually, if you can build up that picture, the way that we can deliver, for example, within ServiceNow, we can build those workflows in the platform, but we can expose it out in many, many different ways based on what that end user's preferences are. So, it's not a case of extra work for everybody in terms of building those experiences. you're just surfacing them in a way that makes most sense to that um to that employee and I think your second part of the question was around some
1: some examples yeah sorry i I asked a very long question, so it was a bit challenged <laughs> to remember the whole thing so yeah. Just a few examples of of some of those employee journeys, I think.
0: So I think one that we kind of all recognise is the uh, onboarding journey. We've all been a new employee um, within an organisation at some point. And that's a really good example of making sure that regardless of... um, the type of employee, if you like, you still get a good, consistent experience. And I think what we're seeing now is a lot of customers saying to me, look, I've designed my um, onboarding experience very much for the physical world. And in ServiceNow, for instance, we used to have um, a big cohort of people That would come into the office on the same day. You'd have a load of uh, different um, uh, sort of presentations. You'd be guided through a number of key tasks. And you'd have this lovely network, if you like, straight away um, that you'd built on day one. Suddenly, then we were completely virtual. So it was a case of, okay, well, how do we make this work in a, in a virtual world? And so we still have that cohort of people that come together. We now have channels that are set up. So you still got that network immediately on day one. We did things like making sure that people were able to choose which device they wanted. And it was sent to their house with guided instructions for them how to set it up and then we made sure that we put in those regular touch points with different people in the office, or well not in the office, different people in the organisation that they would have got if they'd come into the office. So we kind of modelled it or replicated it as best as we could in the virtual world. Now we're in a scenario where we're thinking about okay well what does it look going forward? It needs to work for both, it needs to work for both the virtual and the uh, physical world. And that gives us a lot of opportunities, actually, because if we can do that, it means that when we're recruiting new people, as offices open up, people can come into the office and be part of that cohort physically if they want to, and that is their preference and if they feel comfortable. But if they want to be virtual, they can still be part of that same onboarding experience. So I think there's there's a really important uh, piece here, which is to think about when you're designing those experiences, how can it work for the different kind of contexts that you will be in? Um, I think, again, other other examples are around when we're, we're helping employees getting access to services. Again, thinking about if an employee has an issue around their payroll, for instance, you need to be thinking, well, how does this work if you're in the office? But how does this work if you're out on the shop floor? Or you could be out on a farm you know in a field so again how can we give everybody still a really good experience give them what they need to satisfy that request regardless of the type of role that they are that that, that they're in really
1: you know and obviously the the whole hybrid thing brings yet another nuance and, and complication and consideration i guess that that needs to be factored into this I, and again you know executives will will talk to 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 HR leaders and you know one of the questions they are asked maybe why is a personalized employee experience more likely to help employees and the organization from a performance perspective
0: I I like to think a bit a bit a bit like a, a a coach in sport so a good coach is there to ensure that you're at your best right that you 're eating the right foods that you're've got the right training plan they're removing all of those barriers um to your success and that 's how you get the best out of out of an athlete and it 's that same principle really for me in terms of it within the organization we need to give people the right environment to be to be successful in, and we need to recognize sometimes that we can 't always have that optimal environment you know perhaps something has uh Uh, has changed, Uh, perhaps something has changed, perhaps they had a new baby or something like that, which means that their performance is going to perhaps dip slightly. But if we know what the optimal performance conditions look like for people, we can understand what the what we can do around any kind of uh, change in performance, or why that we understand the reason, if that makes sense, in that change in in performance. So I think it is around treating everybody as an individual, making sure we know what good looks like for that person. And when there are kind of changes in some of those environmental factors, or those work factors, we understand then what the impact of that on the employee is. Sometimes we we can change that. And if it's that suddenly the employee doesn't have the right tool, for instance, that they need to do their job, we can change that. Sometimes it's a workload thing. Again, as a good manager, as a good leader, we can change that and we can recognise that the reason that the person's not performing is because the workload is too high. So we can do something about that. Examples like I just gave around somebody having a a new baby, well, that's life and we all go through the sort of uh, challenges in in life where our, our personal life and our work life, course it intertwines, and we can't necessarily change that but we can recognize that there is an external factor there that is going to have perhaps a temporary impact on our performance and we can kind of make a a little bit of an allowance for that as well which I think is super super important too.
1: Yeah I suppose as you said it's in a great link with sport just give people the conditions in which they can thrive and be you know and be emotionally aware enough that you know sometimes people's circumstances change so you you, you know that you might have to help them around the conditions that you know keep you know as you said make allowances perhaps when we come back in just a moment Neris shares her advice for investing in HR technology. Thanks to ServiceNow for sponsoring this bonus episode of the digital HR leaders podcast ServiceNow is making the world of work work better for people. Its cloud-based platform and solutions deliver digital workflows that create great experiences and unlock the workforce's productivity. ServiceNow's customers span across all geographies, sectors and sizes and include names like Coca-Cola, Deloitte, Disney+, GE, Nike, Pepsi, NHS Scotland and the WNBA. In fact, Nearly 80% of the Fortune 500 rely on ServiceNow's Now platform to create and streamline workflows, forming new value chains and transforming employee experiences. To learn more, visit servicenow.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast with Neris Mutlow. Evangelist in the Chief Innovation Office at ServiceNow. Now, back to the conversation. So we've, we've talked a little bit about this. You know, our, Over the last 18 months, um, companies have had to quickly adapt the service they deliver to employees. Um, arguably the biggest, well, it is the biggest remote working experiment in history uh, for many of us, because I appreciate not everyone is working remote. Um, many have shifted to a fully digital mod- model seemingly overnight. You know, what lessons do you think that organisations can learn about the reaction, about reaction and handling that change with regards to HR technology and employee experience?
0: Yeah, so I think (laughs) the biggest lesson uh, that we can take from this is that we can change at pace and people can adopt to those changes at pace. And I spoke to a customer recently that said to me, um, I had a plan to roll out Microsoft Teams. It was an 18 month long plan. We had to roll it out in 18 days in the end, because if we didn't, we wouldn't have been able to operate. And what that showed was that not only can you implement these new technologies at pace, but people will adapt as well, at at pace as well. And I think the other interesting uh, point around Rolling out new technology is we took a much more incremental, very pragmatic approach to it. So, what did we need to do first? Well, we needed to connect everybody. We needed to make sure that people could still talk to each other and get work done if they couldn't come into the office. So, that's where the focus was. Then we kind of moved on and we looked at it and said, okay, now we've got people connected, how can we make sure that we're still driving innovation and we're still driving productivity? So, we looked again at are the tools that, we, that we're that we using, are they the right tools? Um, if we can't innovate in a, a meeting room like this, how do we do this remotely? So we started to look at these different digital whiteboarding type tools like Miro, for instance, and look at how we could then roll that out. And then we started looking at things like, okay, how well are we looking after our employees? Well, we need to do more around pulse surveys. So perhaps we did some surveys maybe once a quarter now we're going to start doing that on a weekly basis and we're going to start driving again action and tweaking if you like that employee experience so I think the best lesson we can learn from this is that you don't have to kind of imagine the complete end state what you need to be able to do is focus on the outcomes you need to drive in a priority order and then you need to deliver that and then once people have adopted that, you look at the next one and the next one. So it's really been an experiment in driving an agile approach across the organisation, in my mind. And I think that's the exciting uh, thing about it. And I, when I talk to customers now, they're saying to me, look, you know, we're two, three year roadmaps for many things. But now we realise we can do things faster.
1: And it's interesting because, you know, even before the pandemic, things move so fast can any company really have a three to five year roadmap for implementing any technology? Cause by the time they've implemented it, you know, arguably it's, it's outdated. Um, so, so it, yeah, that agile approach is certainly something we're seeing, seeing more in HR. So that's what we've done during the last 18 months. So if we, as we now at some point, uh, uh, hopefully in 2022 emerge out of the other end of the COVID tunnel, and let's hope we do emerge out the other end of the COVID tunnel. You know, as re- what should organisations prepare for in terms of employee expectations of of the hybrid work environment? Because there's so much discussion around hybrid work at the moment and return to office and everything else. You know, I'd love to hear, you know, how what advice you give to organisations to prepare for that.
0: Yeah, so I think the most important thing is that that experimentation and the listening element. So what we've been doing in in service now is lots of Whole surveys as I say to kind of understand what's working for people but also we're trying to do more kind of listening sort of as part of the process so for instance if it was an onboarding process getting that feedback straight away around how that onboarding experience was on day one but also then how was it kind of a week later how was it a month later and then starting to collate that And make sure that, as I say, we're driving the actions and we're continuously improving. So nobody, nobody knows what it looks like, as you say, in the next kind of, well, three months, let alone three years. So all we can do is make sure that we've got that regular um, connection with our employees and that we are uh, responding to that really as well. Um, And um, and don't be frightened, I guess, to kind of make some changes and uh, and experiment a little bit. I think the other important point is, coming back to even the technology stack, is having the kind of modularity, if you like, in in that technology stack. So that it makes it very easy to plug in, for example, new channels in order to meet people where they are. So today... Um, There's a lot of focus around meeting people in channels like Microsoft Teams because Microsoft Teams really has become so much that digital workplace for many of us over the last sort of uh, uh, 18 months, two years. Um, But actually, it's mobile phones. It may be smartwatches. It may be uh, Alexas. um, Who knows kind of what that kind of experience layer for those different employees is going to be? So if you can build, if you can kind of almost separate that kind of business logic from that presentation layer, it makes it very easy to then expose it out into whatever that channel of your choice is, which helps, I think, with future-proofing a lot of the employee experience as well.
1: And, you know, before we sort of to turn to how ServiceNow is approaching this, you know, now that the employee experience genie is out of the lamp, so to speak, you know, there's no really you know, and organizations have invested in in more of that and you know, and thankfully they have during the during the pandemic. There's no going back now, is there? This is this is this is a juggernaut that's gonna carry on.
0: I mean, absolutely, and and let's face it, if you don't invest in employee experience, there's plenty of organizations that, that will. Um and I think particularly the kind of uh, the new generations that come in into the workplace they expect that consumer grade experience, but they ex- also expect to be well looked after from a, from a human-centric way. I remember when I had lots of graduates that uh, worked for me previously, um, it was really important for them to have managers that not only enabled them to be successful at work, but actually asked them, for instance, about how they were feeling and what they did at the, the weekend and um, you know, what they were interested in and help them bring some of that interest into some of the work that they were doing. So, for example, if they were really interested in the environment, could we put them on an engagement that enabled them to help a customer, perhaps, with their ESG policy, which meant it was aligning with their personal values as well. So it's very much got to be that, as I say, that broader, more holistic approach to to employee experience as well.
1: Mm, More focus on well-being leaders with better emotional intelligence you know all those types of things almost seem to be very closely linked to if you're going to focus on employee experience you talked about the need to action those are two areas clearly that you know where action can can occur
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: we hope you're enjoying this episode of the digital hr leaders podcast if you're looking to continue your learning journey head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the Future Academy. It's a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you'll see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gaps, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Let's now go back to the conversation with Neris as we discuss how ServiceNow fits into the broader HR tech ecosystem. So let's turn to the look at the role that ServiceNow plays in, in providing that next level um, employee experience. You know how does ServiceNow fit into the overall HR tech ecosystem?
0: Yeah so um, we refer to ourselves often as the platform of platforms. So um, we're not there to kind of displace every, all of the great technology that sits within that HR space or indeed many of the other parts of the enterprise. We ourselves, we use Workday internally, we use Microsoft Teams, we use Facebook for, for work in order to really kind of connect with our employees. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that we can provide a consistent um Uh, a consistent, unified experience for employees, regardless of actually some of the underlying tools that um, may be used. So again, if I just talk to you around, for example, the onboarding experience, think about when you bring somebody in, you need to uh, make sure that they have the IT equipment that they need, you need to make sure that they have um, any background checks done, they perhaps have a desk, they have... Um, their payroll set up, you need to make sure then that um, the cost centre budgets are now adjusted to reflect that this employee is starting on this date and this is that cost to that cost centre. There are many, many different steps involved and many, many different systems of record that are involved in that process. But if you're a manager, you don't want to be necessarily like chasing down every single department and sending emails to every single department to see if they've done that step of it what we can do is we can give that manager a single place to go to kick off that onboarding journey where they can see exactly who it's with, what actions are being done, and where we need to integrate into those different systems of record to perhaps get information as part of that journey or pass information to that. We can handle that kind of process um, orchestration piece of that as well. And then once you started to kind of, Orchestrate those processes, and this comes back to what we've talked around the importance of uh, data and listening. We can also start to use data from the platform to see how well those processes are performing. So we can start to see, you know, are they are they performing in an optimal way? Are there any bottlenecks to this process? What's the kind of the employee CSAT, if you like, around this around this process? And then we can start to continuously improve those journeys. And of course. We can uh, integrate into all of these different systems. So where you're using um, different systems for pulse surveys, for instance, right? When you want to bring that data together, you want to turn that data into insight, there's then going to be an action off the back of it. We can be the system of action off the back of that. And I think that's a really important important point really, for everyone to recognise with with ServiceNow. This is not about us being a, a core HR data analytics platform, it's not about us replacing all of those great systems that are involved in the employee experience ecosystem, but it's about really driving the process and driving the action associated um, with that process off the back of it.
1: Almost, in many respects, a bit like an integration layer that allows all those systems to work together and deliver the experience, as you say, create the actions that that, that come out of it. Yeah,
0: and if you think again about, um, especially in this hybrid world that we're in, um, you as an employee, you have questions around, I don't know, Um, perhaps a maternity policy, or you might have a question around uh, when are you going to get paid um, during the Christmas break, right? You you don't necessarily need to kind of care about where you should go. What we say is let's give everybody a unified portal where they can ask all of those employee experience-related questions. And regardless of the department that's actually going to respond to that question, we can route the work through to the appropriate form. We can hide that complexity, if you like, away from that end user. They just have a question and they need to get a response back to it. They don't need to care about where it's coming from in terms of the organization. And and, and that same experience then needs to work, as we talked about earlier, in whatever channel makes the most sense as well.
1: And I know ServiceNow is experiencing phenomenal growth, so I don't know if you what, is there anything you can share with with listeners around that?
0: Yeah, I mean, we have had uh, phenomenal growth um, over the last few years, and we're very much now present in the majority of Fortune 500 companies um, across the globe. And a lot of the reason for that is because companies are recognising that, yes, IT service management, where we started, is a part of delivering a great employee experience. But actually, we can take that blueprint for great employee experiences and we can apply it across many other parts of the organisation that provide those employee-facing services. And so we're starting to see so many of the big multinational customers using ServiceNow, really, to drive a sort of a global business service type approach. Um, And that's why, you know, we're looking at growing to a $15 billion company. So we've had this very much a rapid uh, growth trajectory. Um, and we're, we've got some very, very big names, as you'd expect there. And they've seen a lot of benefit as well from adopting ServiceNow. So we're seeing companies like Unilever, for instance, looking at how can they use not just ServiceNow, but also the Microsoft set of products, how to together Can we use those in order to drive an employee experience, which gives everybody in Unilever some time back? And that time back can then be invested in training. It can be invested in driving new innovation for the company. Um, We're also seeing Coca-Cola European Partners, so obviously another big name that are looking to service now. Uh, How can I deliver these services in a really efficient way but in a way that is still a very great employee experience because we recognize if we don't do that people are going to vote with their feet and go elsewhere
1: and last last question there is i mean what we've talked about today is almost a a, a world of hyper personalized experience you know at the individual level which i think is where we need to where we need to get to but how far away are we from that reality uh, today and do we even have the data available what you know what needs to happen to have that do you think
0: um i do think actually we've got a lot of the data available so if you look at what what's there we have things like workplace analytics tells us how people are working what tools they're working in the amount of focus time for instance we have the employee Surveys, we have the feedback from the processes that we're, you know, starting to operate on platforms like ServiceNow. So we're starting to build up. Oh, we, we've got the data points, if you like, in a number of different systems. I think where we're a little bit further away is kind of bringing them together into that three hundred and sixty view, right? And once we've got them in that three hundred and sixty view, it's about, as I say, when we design these experiences how can we make sure that we're then referencing your your digital twin of each employee in order to then deliver that experience in the way that makes most sense? So I don't think, from a technology point of view, we haven't got it. I think it's more now around actually bringing it all together and, and starting and starting to action it, to be honest.
1: Mm. So the technology's there, the data's there, in, in, not in every place, the company obviously, but the data is there the ambition is there it's just a case of bringing it all together now
0: yeah and right. it comes back to the earlier point right? you might not have all of the data points right but you're certainly going to have some of the data points so starting to work with the data that you have and using that to inform what is the employee experience like okay we need to improve it in this area so now driving that action into your business and then measuring it and I think that's, the, again, we talked about what we can learn from the last 18 months, that kind of, that sensing, responding and adapting to what's going on in our, in our organisation is probably the overarching uh, kind of takeaway, really.
1: Well, Nerysh, it's been a fascinating conversation. It's a perfect one, really, for what is our, our last episode of the podcast in 2021, because it really looks forward to 2022 and beyond, I think. And, you know, thanks very much for being on the show. How can people stay in touch with you, follow you on social media, find out more about uh, the work that ServiceNow is doing?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I have quite a unique name. So there's only one of me on uh, social media. So so you can find me on uh, LinkedIn um, or you can find me on Twitter, which is just Nerys Mutlo. So, yeah, I'd love people to kind of reach out. Um, and I would love to kind of, you know, hear people's views really around perhaps how what they think about building that employee three sixty where, where organizations are.
1: Great. And and obviously if they want to there's a that ServiceNow has a blog presumably which you contribute to. Oh,
0: yes, yes, of course. So yeah, we, we have a ServiceNow blog also, go to the ServiceNow, uh, ServiceNow website and you can find a lot more information A lot more information there. We're working with a number of HR leaders um, in particular, so there's some very targeted content there if you're interested.
1: Great. Right. Well, Neres, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks very much for, for sharing your time and, and expertise with us. So thank you.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. That's all from us from 2021, so let me take this opportunity to thank listeners for listening throughout the year and to wish you happy holidays. We'll be back in the new year. If you have enjoyed listening this year, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. For more from us at Insight 222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and our weekly newsletter at myhrfuture.com. Until next year, stay safe, stay well, take care, and happy holidays.